Today, I want to go a little deeper in our development, and I want to talk to you a little bit about, you know, our role as Christians and how God sees us. See, the challenge becomes people ask, well, you know, Pastor, I just want to mature and I just want to grow. Um, let me say this to you, reading um, the YouVersion Bible app uh, devotion doesn't mature you. Okay, that doesn't grow you up. You gotta, sometimes you gotta go deeper. That is something that helps sustain you. But you gotta go deeper and carve out time to know more. So today I wanna, I wanna challenge you in your thinking, and as always, I want to give you uh, a challenge that you're going to have to respond to as it relates to the Word of God today. So let's, uh, let's pray together, and then we'll jump in into the message. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this preaching moment. I ask that you would speak clearly to us so that we'll hear, not only hear, but understand. Not only understand, but be doers of what we hear and understand. So, Lord, I ask today that you would think through my mind, speak through my mouth, give me clarity of thought and agility of wit. Allow me to talk in the power of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so when we started this series two weeks ago, I said to you that, um, and this is worth writing down, that if you didn't write it down the first week, and all of these series are, are on the website absolutely free. When God is ready to move to the next phase of his plan, he calls us into a season of sacrifice. I believe that with all of my heart. When it's time to turn the corner, when it's time to get, get uh, to see a little more, uh, to go deeper, closer toward destiny, God calls us to this place of sacrifice. At the core of sacrifice is the desire to merge yourself with God. That's what sacrifice does. That's why we're doing these 40 days. The 40 days is that I can lay some stuff down that I shouldn't have picked up in the first place. What we got going on? Thanks. Okay, did we have too much light on the stage? Oh, we lost the lights right here, guys. Yep. Okay. So we get... We get immersed into the life of God, the heart of God, when we start sacrificing. Listen, sacrificing brings humility in your life when you're willing to let some stuff go. You get what I'm saying? Here's the deal. Some of us operate on what we feel like we have a right to do. And just because you have a right to do something does not mean you should. At the core of sacrificial living is laying down your rights. I got a right to cuss you out. God said, that's not what we do. Sacrifice says, I laid that down, although I am justified in doing it. You know what I'm saying? If you want to look at real sacrificial living and somebody living according to their, uh, their own uh, convictions is the movie Hacksaw Ridge. Absolutely amazing movie. I've not finished it yet. Amazing movie. I mean, you've seen the previews is that the young man is in the army. And his belief, because he doesn't believe 
that you should kill. Thou should not kill. His thing is, God said we shouldn't kill. So I'm going to be in the army, but I will not touch a gun. They says you are a, what they call him, uh, um, ops, uh, oh, I can't remember what they called him. But he said, no, I'm not that. I'll wear the uniform. I'll do the duties. I just don't have to kill people to do it. And when you look at the whole thing, he, they beat him, and he had every right to punch back. The guy, the sergeant that put him up, put the other guys up to beating him, walked up to him and said, hey, man, enough is enough. Tell me who beat you up. And he said, nobody. Don't worry about it. Because he could, he could have said him, 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 and him. But he says, that's not what this is about. I get it. So what happens is sometimes there are things you can't do even though you feel like you should or have a right to. That's sacrificial living. And God is calling us to sacrificial living. Listen, that whole line that we like to use, I'm grown. I'm grown. God says, and what? That's more the reason that you shouldn't do it. Because you're grown. Or since you want to talk about you grown, let's see how grown you are in your Christianity. Are you a mature Christian? Because mature Christians have to lay some stuff down. Because we're in a relationship with God that he calls us, where he calls us to sacrifice. All right? Sacrifice is an outward sign of an inward desire. So today I want to I I tell you, when we start talking about sacrifice, when you look at the Old Testament, the Old Testament teaches us that the majority of the time, the person that actually sacrificed was the person that God chose to sacrifice. In other words, not everybody could sacrifice. God had to choose those. Most of the time, they were priests or Levites. Other times there were people that he says, hey, in order for us to get this square, I need you to go and sacrifice. He chooses. Not everybody could just sacrifice. Remember, if you read the text, Saul was trying to go and do some stuff he shouldn't have been doing. And he went and sacrificed to God to get God's help. Samuel says, dude, you did the wrong thing. God is so hot with you right now because you sacrificed to him and you didn't have permission to do that. Because that was set aside for people who God chose. Y'all follow me? When Christ came on the scene, there was a shift. So I want you to look at that shift real quick. Look over at uh, Hebrews chapter 11. I'm sorry, chapter 9, verse 11. Hebrews Chapter 9, verse 11. I'm going to read it from the Message Bible. Here's what it says. But when the Messiah arrived, high priest of superior things of this new covenant, he he bypassed the old tent and its trappings, and in, uh, in in this created world and went straight into heaven's tent, the true holy place. He did it once and for all. He also bypassed the sacrifices consisting of goat and calf blood. Instead, listen, using his own blood 
as the price to set us free once and for all. If that animal blood and other rituals of purification were effective in cleaning up certain manners in our religion and behavior, think how much more the blood of Christ cleans up, cleans up our whole lives inside and out. Verse 15 says, through the spirit, Christ offered himself as an unblemished sacrifice, freeing us from all those dead-end efforts to, the, uh, to make ourselves respectable so we can live all out for God. Now listen, when we go back to Genesis, we'll see that Abraham, here it is, Lot got caught up in some stuff, okay? Lot got caught up, some guys started fighting, and uh, took Lot. And when the word came to Abraham, Abraham said, Lord, I'm going to have to go down here and kill somebody because they got my cousin. That's what he said. I'm going to have to go down and kill somebody because they got my cousin. I'm going to get my cousin. Y'all don't play with my cousin. So he went and got Lot. He had to fight. He took three. Listen, this is where you get to 318. He took 318 men that worked for him and went in and rescued that which was captive. Let me tell you something. If you really want to make a difference in a community, particularly an inner city community where there's drugs and things like that, what you need is 318 men to walk through the streets and declare, I'm going to take back. You know, the challenge is in the church today, we can't get three men. But that ain't what I'm preaching about. Abraham took 318, went in there, got, got lot, and took all the spoils. So when he was coming back home, he ran into his friend who was the high priest, Melchizedek. He was the priest of Salem or the high priest of, of uh, Salem. It would, would really translate to be, listen, this is a type of Jesus because when you read about Melchizedek in the book of Hebrews, you'll find that he did not have beginnings or end, didn't have a mama and daddy, we don't know when he started. We don't know when he ended, okay? And, and really, he becomes a type of Jesus Christ. I believe that Melchizedek is who we saw in Genesis. We saw Jesus. Because the Bible says that when he came out to meet Abraham, he came out with wine and bread. So now we have this high priest. Listen, Abraham says to him, you are high priest forever. There is nobody that's high priest forever other than Jesus Christ. So now we have this high priest who comes in and he administers the bread and the wine and Abraham takes the tenth, the tithe of all, and gives it to him. And then he pays his other guys and they go on. We hear again in uh, Hebrews about what Christ has done. The text says that Christ came and instead of using the blood of goats and animals or animals, goats, bullocks, turtle doves, he uses his own blood. He becomes the sacrifice, okay? This is amazing because now we find the high priest who is also the sacrifice. He is the one who administers the sacrifice, but he's also the one that gets up on the altar and gives himself. So now because of that, we no longer have to bring cows and goats and turtle doves to the church for sacrifice. 
Ain't y'all happy about that? Do you know how, that, how bad that was think? God says, yeah, I know. It smells like sin. Y'all got Febreze. But because I have to smell it through the filter of the blood. Other than that. So anyway, because Jesus gave his life once and for all, there is now a shift. So I want you to see this shift. Let's look at First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 4. I'm going to read this in the New King James Version. I want you to see this shift real quick. I'm taking y'all somewhere. We'll get there today. Watch. Coming to him, the Bible says, as to a living stone. This is us coming to Christ as if he is a living stone. He was the one rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious. Uh, Timothy goes on the right. Now, I mean, Peter goes on the right, that you now are living stones. He says, you as living stones are being built up. I love this. A spiritual house. Let me stop for a second. If everybody would understand that our call to the body of Christ is to be a living stone, we will be in place more often. Think about it. Think about your house. If there was a side wall missing in your house, you would be on your head suing somebody, telling them that this house is not finished. Who is the contractor? Call my realtor because they didn't finish my house. And if the realtors came to say, well, hey, the wall didn't show up. So we could only build with what we had because the wall decided it had season tickets to the Falcons game. The wall decided that it was just going to stay in bed today. So, ma'am and sir, I would suggest you live on the other side of the house where there are walls. Because that wall decided not to show up. Peter is saying this, that we are lively stones and God uses us to build a spiritual house. If we are a spiritual house and those who are in need, those who are, are battered by the storms of life need somewhere to run, can they find shelter? Because we all understand that I have a responsibility and I am a part of a spiritual house. So listen to this. So you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, listen, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, not yet, Lee. Oh, yeah, that's good. No, you're good. I thought you put my points up. Not yet. Listen. So here's the deal. At one point in history, we had priests. And so what you would have to do is come into the temple, bring your offering, whether it was grain, whether it was a turtle dove. That was the whole thing about Jerusalem. When they would come to Jerusalem, when everybody would come at time of Passover, either you would bring your animal or at the outer court of the temple, 
they would have a bunch of animals and you could buy your animal in the outer court. You hear me? That's why the outer court is noisy. Because there's a lot of animals out there. Animals who have been taken against their will. Animals who are being slaughtered so because, because Mystique chose this cow now I'm killing this cow for her so that the priest on behalf of her family can offer up. You get it? That's what was happening. All right? I teach worship leaders this. I teach worship leaders when you start worship, it's loud. But when you end worship, it should be the most holy place. You don't scream at Jesus. That's what I teach them. Outer court is loud. As we get toward the inner court and then the most holy place, we get to a place where it's sweet where we can hear him breathe into our ear. Now, if we're in the innermost place and you screaming at Jesus, I just want to tell you, can I go in there like, hey, Jesus, send me that worship leader. I'm sorry, they got by me. Come on. Anyway, there's a transition. So, there was a time when we had to have the priest because it was the priest that went into the most holy place. Watch this. The priest twice a year would go into the most holy place and would offer up on the behalf of everybody. He would tie that rope around his waist because he went into the most holy place. And if God didn't accept the worship of the people, the offerings of the people, instead of the uh, smoke going through the ceiling, it would fill the room, choke the priest, and he would die. So every once in a while, they would pull on the, on the rope on the outer court he would pull back to say, I'm still alive, it's all right. Because we had people who had to do it for us. Jesus came, died on the cross. He is the only now offering worthy to die like that. So now we don't have to have live animals on the altar, nor do I have to have a priest, listen, because I am now a priest. Now, let's deal with it. Now, we hear it because we like to say stuff like, I'm a royal priesthood. We like that kind of saying, I'm a royal priesthood. But what we like about it is the royal part. See, that's what we hear, we hear royal. I'm a royal priesthood. No, listen, royal priesthood. Those are the things that we write songs about. I'm a royal priesthood. But you have to hear what you cannot get stuck on is the royalty. You're the royalty because Jesus is king. But you cannot stop at the fact that you're royal. Because really, a royal priest, if you want to be royal, you have to consider yourself with a robe with blood all over it. Because you are not just royal, but you're a royal priesthood, and the priest has to offer sacrifices. Hear me. Hear me clearly. We no longer need the priest to offer for you. Now you are the priest. Now here's the order. Jesus is our high priest, okay? We are the priest. I would be a priest leader, but I'm not the high priest. Okay? Somebody put that on CNN, that the pastor or the bishop is not the high priest. Jesus is the only high priest. We've got to make sure we hear that, because, you know, we're getting seats and, and goblets and gold, and, and people got, got to have juice in this cup. Why? Because I'm the high priest. You're not. 
you're the priest. And I am a priest who lead other priests. Are you hearing me? Okay, I want, it, I want that to be clear because the text says here that we are a holy priesthood. Go back to that for me. Uh-huh. A holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices. So listen, what God is really saying to us, guys, is this. Just because the, a sacri the sacrificial system has changed because of Jesus, he says, I still got to have sacrifices. Somebody still got to be burning something on the altar that comes up to me because the sacrificial system is the system through which we gain the relationship with God. He says, all right, listen, I'm going to make it easier so everybody don't have to have an altar in the backyard because eventually, you know, civilization is going to evolve and they're going to have, they're going to have codes and the building codes say you can't have, you know, I got one. I just call mine a grill. I don't put a whole cow up there. I just put little cow patties. You understand? <laughs> <laughs> then you go down to North Carolina, though, you have a whole altar back there, and they put the whole hog on there and let them smoke. But I don't think it's for Jesus. This is probably for the community. So Jesus says, I got to have some people who are still willing to sacrifice to me. So let me tell you something. In this season of sacrifice that we're in, you have to understand that the way God sees us, he sees us as priests whom he expects to lift sacrifices to, uh, to him. That's what he expects. Listen, you're a holy priesthood. This is what he's doing. He says, you also, living stones, are being built up, as living stones are being built up, a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a priest. Now listen. You're not a priest to put on a collar. You're not a priest to put on a chain and wear purple and wear black and all of that. You're not that. You're a priest so you can offer to God. That's what he wants. God is, listen, you know, I respect civic attire. I wear it. I respect it. I came from a house that did high church. I respect it. I have a great uh, affinity for it. I love stories. I'm about to watch this thing about, about the Pope. I love that kind of stuff. But what we cannot do is think positions, or let me go back, titles free us from our responsibility. Listen. We say stuff like this. Well, that's the pastor's responsibility. I ain't a preacher. No, you're a priest. You hear me? So the thing about our, our, our society is that we're big on titles, but we're not big on function. When you look in the text of Scripture, they weren't big on titles. They were big on functions. We call Paul the Apostle Paul. He don't call himself that. Look at all his writings. He starts off by saying, I, Paul, called to be an apostle. He says, I'm writing to you because I function like this, not because it's my name. My name is Paul, but I don't want you to worry about my title. I want you to worry about my function. Hear me, because you don't have a title as reverend. 
There is a function as the body of Christ, as a Christian in the body of Christ, that you have to have and that Jesus is expecting because he laid down on the cross so we can make this sacrifice thing a little more convenient for you. You hear me? Come on, we complaining about how, how high pork chops are. Surely you can't have a bunch of pigs in the backyard to be able to sacrifice every day. God says, let's, let's wipe that out. I want, I want them to have access to me. Now what I need them to do is to build an altar in their lives and make sacrifices to me from that altar. I am a pastor, but we are all priests. Y'all with me? I feel, like, I feel like Wednesday night, I want to be like, any questions? What's coming up? I can't do that right now. Okay, so then let me show you this. Let me show you this. We have a call then to offer spiritual sacrifices. So then, let's look at Hebrews 13 and 15. I'm going to talk to you about what spiritual sacrifices are. Okay? Spiritual sacrifices. Remember, Old Testament, they sacrificed daily. Sometimes it was a wine offering. Sometimes it was a heave offering. Sometimes it was a wheat or grain offering. Listen, there were offerings that said, God, I've sinned. Forgive me. Can I say this to y'all? I honestly believe that that system is still intact. I believe that when we mess up, when we're guilty, when we're sin, that we can bring God an offering. God, I've messed up. See, we believe some of the Bible, but we don't believe it all. As a matter of fact, there's, there's a text in Leviticus that talks about when you ain't been tithing in a long time, how you get caught up. He said, bring a double tithe. You ain't tithed in 10 years. I ain't asking you to go back and get 10. 10 years worth of time. Just give me two, and we can set it straight. Me and you, we straight. See, we don't want to talk about that kind of stuff no more because talking about money like that in church. Wait, I can't. I'm, I'm a, am I buying? Am I buying my salvation? Christ paid for it. Something got bought somewhere. He gave his life. The Bible says that he paid the price. There is a, what you think, Jesus had a coupon on sin? No. <laughs> no. Two for the price of one on Wednesday. No. He says, I'm going to die for everybody. I just, I got to do it. So anyway, let's look at this. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice. Here it is. A praise to God. That is. The fruit of your lips, giving thanks to his name, verse 16. But do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. That word pleased in the Hebrew, is, uh, in the Greek, is the word delighted. That God is well delighted. So now I'm going to show you real quick. I'm going to give you three sacrifices that need to be sent up daily from the priest. Y'all ready? Here's number one. It's right in this text. Number one, praise to God is number one. It says the fruit of your lips, giving thanks. That's number one. All right? Now, this is really, uh, this is major because let me start, let me start here. P raise. <laughs> P raise to God. Listen. I've done workshops 
a lot of places. And one of the things I hear often is that people say, well, you know, I don't, I don't praise God like that. I worship God in my heart. I know that's good for somebody, but everybody should be able to praise in their own way. I'm just trying to make sure I back myself off of that because that's one of my things that I go in on. You know what I'm saying? We've been at worship places, man, and old deacons would be like, I know what the Bible says, but I don't think it should be done that way. So whenever I, like I'm sweating right now, because whenever I start thinking about that kind of stuff, it, it burns me up because praise in your heart is called meditation. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay? But if you believe the word of God, at some point, you should be aspiring to do what the word says to do. Right? So there are times when I do meditate in my heart. Okay? I meditate on the word of God. Psalms. Okay? Uh, what is it? Psalm 1. Uh, Blessed is the man that walk upright, uh, walks, uh, in, walks not in the counsel of the God, uh, ungodly, nor sitteth in the seat, uh, or, or stands, or sitteth in the seat, uh, or... or Walk, y'all know what I'm talking about. It's walk, stands, and sits in the seat of the godly, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on that law, listen, does he meditate day and night? Meditation is to help your inner man be right and do right and walk right. Meditation is not praise. I know we don't like that. We don't, like, we don't like that because it makes us uncomfortable because I want to I justify how I do what I do. Well, here is the deal. If I give you a command to, to tell you how to handle me and you handle me your way, then you just need to worship you. Because I've given you a command as to what to do to me if I'm going to be your God. And if I'm your God, then you got to do right by me based on how I'm telling you I want you to handle me. But now if you want to do it your way, how about you be your God? I can take you off my list and you can handle you. I know, right? That's just be like, Jesus, can we compromise? Here's what he says. If you want to offer to me, you got to offer to me praise to God. Well, what is praise to God? The fruit of your lips. It's not, I praise God in my own way, so I just pat my foot. I'm praising God. You see, I'm patting my foot. I just, if you can't say a word, just wave your hand. You know, we'd have heard them all in church. You know what I'm saying? The text says, as a priest... There is an expectation of you to put something on the altar every day. Listen, the altar, the fire in the altar can't ever go out. No, 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 no. Can't. Uh, uh, um, uh, what is the, the text that says, um, Behold, bless ye the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord, which by night stand in the house of the Lord. That's because they kept Levites in the temple at night to make sure that the fire didn't go out on the altar. Yeah. 
And you keep, listen, what God is looking for, priests who keep the fire burning. My dad would always say, Tim, when you go to church, you ought to quit sitting in the back. You need to sit up, to, uh, up toward the front so you can sit close to the fire. I'm like, I don't want to sit by no fire. I ain't got no air conditioning in that church. <laughs> because there should always be an altar. There should always be a fire burning in that altar. And God says that I expect of you, my priest, to make sure that there is a praise Fruit from your lips, giving thanks. Let me tell you. Let me tell you what thanks is, because it, it goes a lot deeper. To give a thanks is to give assent, or to here's another word that, that we probably use a little more is to give to concur. Okay, the word thanks here means if I have an idea and we're in a meeting. And I say, here's my idea, here's what I think we should do, A, B, and C. And you say, I concur. What you're saying is not only do you agree, what you're saying is I enter into an agreement that I'm with you on that. Okay? What God is saying, what we should be giving him is praise, not just praise. We should be giving our buy-in, not just buy-in. That word is also the word that means to confess and to profess. So when I worship God and say to him, thank you, I'm saying thank you because you're the king of the whole earth and I concur and I'm into covenant with you that you are not just the king of the whole earth, but you're my king too. So it's more than just thank you, Jesus. It's thank you, Jesus, I'm with you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's what we got to offer. That's the praise that we have to offer. It is a praise that allows us to make a promise. In saying thank you. Ooh. See, it ain't just I, I come in church on Sunday and I'm like, Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. It's not, it got to be deeper than that. What God expects from his priest is a praise that says you're worthy. And I enter into covenant with the fact. Let me tell you something. When you enter into covenant with God, it's a great thing. Because God makes covenants. The covenant that he made with the children of Israel was a covenant that was the bomb covenant. It was a covenant that says, even though you are less than and I'm greater than, I'm going to treat you like you're great. It's a covenant that says, even though you mess up, I'm going to love you enough to bring you back to that place. Because you know, every time they messed up, he didn't throw them away. He sent somebody to get them. Sent them into captivity. Sent somebody to my people. Man, go get my people out of there. Because he had a covenant with him. And God is saying, I want you to praise me in a way that you have a covenant with me. That's number one. All right, here's number two. Number two is do good and share. Man, this is a beast to me because what I'm finding is, guys, we're talking about laying sacrifices on the altar, right? To do good and share, which the text says it pleases God. Doing good is not, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to kill. I'm not going to steal. That's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about doing good is literally going out and being kind to somebody else. Y'all, when we bless other people, God receives it as worship. This is tripping me out. Do good and share. The word share is the word koinonia. Koinonia is fellowship. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? 
Let me read it to you so you'll get it because I think I... The word share here is the word koinonia that means partnership, participation. Listen, social intercourse. Watch this. Pecuniary benefaction. The word pecuniary means and relates to money. We don't like this kind of teaching, right, Chim? Because listen, here's what God is saying as my priest. Not only should you be praising me, but you should also be doing good to other people such that you are a benefactor and they are beneficiaries of your fellowship. You can't tell me the only time I deal with them church people is when I go, you don't worship. As a matter of fact, you ready to go more? You can't tell me what I got. What I can tell you is that if you don't fellowship with people, you ain't got the Holy Ghost. Ain't got. You ain't got it. How do you know? Because when the Holy Ghost fell on the day of Pentecost, the Bible says that they went forward learning the apostles' doctrine, prayer, and fellowship. See, people want to build doctrines around speaking in tongues. What happened after they came out was the real Holy Ghost manifestation. They stayed in the Word, they prayed, and they hung out with each other. The expression of the Holy Ghost in the early church was fellowship. I don't, I don't know nobody. I just go over there. I don't really know nobody because, you know, I, don't, I just leave. I don't stay. I don't even hug the pastor. He be standing out there. I just slide on by. You ain't got the Holy Ghost. You ain't got the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost makes you interact with people. The Holy Ghost causes you to be a real priest. That's why, listen, that's why I know I'm called to what I do. I'm called to what I do because I love people. I love being around people. Now, don't get me wrong. Do they get on my nerves and I want to go home? Yeah. Do I not want to stand out there some Sundays? Yes. Yes. I'm standing out there and then no nobody come. I be thinking to myself, I don't want to be out here no way. <laughs> and you want to slide by and be like, I, like I don't see you. I, you know what? I don't see you. That's one less hand I got to shake, one less hug I got to give. <laughs> like y'all the only one that don't want to be touched. I don't want to touch you. What? <laughs> so, so anyway, worship, guys. The sacrifice as Ah, that's my time. That's my time. The sacrifice that we got to offer as priests, number one, we got to give God praise with the fruit of our lips, giving him thanks. Number two, we have to share, do good, and share with others. It pleases God. Listen, listen to this. We love to hang our hats on the thing that I got to have faith in order to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Well, what we also find right, right here is that without doing good and sharing with others, you don't please him. That's right there. I didn't, I didn't like, that ain't my, you know, uh, that ain't my makeup. I mean, let me, I want to be deep, but it's right here. Here's the last one. Go to Romans, go to Romans real quick, chapter 12. I'll be done. Come on, Edge. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you do what? Y'all with me? That you do what? Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable God, which is what? Listen. 
My daddy would say, don't act like you're doing something because you took the trash out. That's your reasonable service. You ought to take the trash out. You ought to. This morning we were talking about, what are we going to eat after church? And we were throwing some stuff around and cows, I don't know if I'm going to do that. I said, hey, 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 hey. We went shopping for you. You see what you got on? We have to eat less today because you got on more this morning. <laughs> he was like, oh, okay. <laughs> he got it. So you, don't start talking to me about your choices. You might be wearing your meal today. Just be, hopefully the grace of God lets you eat. So listen, being holy and acceptable, you do not do God favors. That is your reasonable service. He said, you ought to be presenting yourself as a living sacrifice. I ought not have to, have to make you remember. Remember this time when I blessed you? Remember this time when I brought you out? I ought not have to remind you. You ought to just present it. Here I am, God. Use me. That's the third thing. First thing is praise. Second thing, do good by people. Third thing, give yourself to him all the day long. Amen. I said, that ain't easy. We're not talking about ease. I didn't tell you it was. I didn't tell you it was. There are times that you pull away. Okay, get back. Get back. Yeah, but don't God get tired? Mm -mm. Them your people around you, they get tired of you doing that. God ain't like them. Every time they messed up, God, yeah, pulled them back. He says, because I love you with an everlasting love. You can't mess up enough for me not to love you. Don't get me wrong, we don't, we don't cheat that now. We don't make that cheap and just be messing up and be like, you know, you told me you are going to love me forever, right? No, that ain't what I'm saying. That ain't what I'm saying because we need to be separated, holy, separated, okay? So I always like to read this same text in the uh, message version. I got to read it here. It says this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you because you're going to need some help. Take your everyday, ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. You are priests. You are supposed to be bringing an offering every day. Every day. And we live in an age now, God says, hey, I got you. I'm going to help you bring an offering to me. And you got a radio in your car. You got a radio in your phone. You can play music in your phone. You can press play and just sing with somebody else who already wrote the song that says what you feel in your heart. And you can lift it right up to me. Listen, I want you to hear this. I'm done preaching. Y'all stand up. We're going we to exercise this right now. We're getting ready to worship. We're getting ready to worship. So listen. Because, you know, I always have a challenge for you. And my challenge is that you go out and live this thing out. And so today, we're going to start by giving God praise here. We're going to sing. We're going to praise. We're going to sing a little bit. We're going to praise. We're going to give an offering. We're going to work this thing out today. But then when you go out here, you're going to be kind to somebody. You hear me? You're going to be kind to somebody. We were at dinner the other night, and I told somebody, told they, they it was some people that we knew. I was happy to see them. I told their server, I said, bring me their check. Because listen, there were seasons in my life that I desired to do that. And I'm like, Lord, if you give me the money, 
That's what I'm going to do. He gave me the money. So now the question is, are you going to do it? You asked me to give you the money. Now I gave it to you. What you going to do? You'd be like, well, you know, I better hold this. I got to be wise. No, no. Be wise with your purchases. Be generous with others. You hear me? Be wise with your stuff. I think I'm going to go ahead and get these shoes. Be wise with yours. Be generous with others. And God will bless you because here's the deal. Whenever in the Old Testament, when the people brought the offering to the priest, listen, the priest had the right. He was supposed to take a portion of that to meet his or her or his own needs and his family's needs. Hear me. So today that means if we don't lift up sacrifices, there's probably going to be some unmet needs in your life. The grain came in. He kept a portion of the grain. He offered the rest to God. That's what God told him to do. That's why the people in, uh, in um, uh, Malachi, will a man rob God? Though you have robbed me, okay, you, you're, you're cursed with a curse. They were in, in a drought. That's because they had stopped bringing the tithe. And so the, pre the priest couldn't eat. So the priest said, Lord, I'm hungry. I'm about to go out here and get me a nine to five. And God was mad at the people because they didn't bring something for the priest to be able to have and continue to work for God. A whole nother sermon, but I'm just telling you what I'm telling you. Hear me? Just telling you what I'm telling you. So now when you bring an offering in your life every day, you get to keep a portion of what you offer. Y'all with me? What you mean? It's a spiritual sacrifice. It's spiritual. It's not natural. It's spiritual. So then what you offer to God, he makes sure that he brings back to your life. It's what's called a spiritual sacrifice. I give you praise. I bless other people. When I bless other people with money, God says that's a spiritual sacrifice. I keep telling y'all that. I've been teaching that for years, that when you bring an offering in here, you bring it in the natural. But what's happening is a spiritual exchange. Don't get caught up on the fact, I just, I feel like I'm giving too much. Child, get over yourself. Because you can't ever outgive God. And God's looking for priests who's willing to lavishly pour out themselves on him. And he says, when you do that, I can lavishly pour out myself on you. And we got the circle of life as it relates to being a priest. <laughs>